0: Hey everyone, it's Shelby with Lash Boss Radio. Today I am interviewing Lana with Lux and Cut. She is a lash artist in Scottsdale, Arizona. And I have been watching her for quite some time because not only is her lash work amazing, but she's also really outspoken on topics that others may tiptoe around. And I really value people like that here on the show because Those are the people who are changing the industry for the better. And during this episode, we are talking about really valuable topics to us lash artists. And I really hope you guys enjoy it. So without further ado, here we go. So Lana, you are 20 years old and you are already like a killer lash artist. What age did you start
1: doing lashes? So I started doing lashes at 16. And I've been doing it ever since. Were you doing it while you were still in school or? Yes, yes, yes. So when I was 15, actually, it first sparked my interest in lash extensions. My mom started getting them done, dragging me to her appointments. And I went and watched and was intrigued. And then at 16, my high school offered dual enrollment. So I could go to high school, get high school credits and go to beauty school at the same time. And the biggest perk was that beauty school was completely free. Oh so gosh. it was a no-brainer, right? Yeah. I was like, okay, might as well try it. Even if it's something I don't like, I get to get out of school. It's free. It'll be fun. And then we briefly covered it in um, beauty school. So I had to get training on my own.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So I got trained by the girl who does Kylie Jenner's lashes. Now that was strictly for marketing purposes. Mm-hmm. Um, and from then on, I flew home from L.A. and started my business at 16 and kind of hit the ground running, hoping for the best. And that's what I've been doing ever since. I have never had another job. I'm kind of blessed to only have worked for myself. Mm-hmm. And I really wouldn't have it any other way. That
0: is amazing. I feel like most people's stories don't start like that. <laughs> right? It <laughs> so whenever you were in beauty school, did, did you kind of just know, like, even though you guys just touched on it, you just knew like, okay, lashes are going to be my thing?
1: I did. Um, for some reason, I did. I had like this gut feeling like might as well just try it. You're good at it. Um, growing up, I had really no drive to be in the beauty industry. I wanted to either do something where I would serve my community or serve others. So some type of service. Um, potentially be in the medical field I love the idea of being either a RN or a plastic surgeon mm-hmm. um, and I feel oh, and an artist I also grew up an artist So I feel like within those three things lashing like hits all of those
0: right
1: just worked out perfectly like lashing just fell in my lap and I didn't question it
0: that is so cool did you yeah. have any mentors or inspirations when you were first starting out?
1: So when I first started out, obviously I was 16. So <laughs> there's not much you can do at 16. I feel like when it comes to running a business, you have a lot of limitations. Right. Um. So in the beginning, I did have my mom and my aunt. They were my two biggest, I would say, like, motivators and inspirations at the time. Um, my mom has always been like the breadwinner of my family. Um, kind of had a rags to riches story. And my aunt has just always been there for me. I could draw like the crappiest thing and she would say, Oh my gosh, it's beautiful. You should be an artist. Like go for it. Mm -hmm. That's the kind of person she was. So with those two people that really pushed me in the right direction and made me feel like yeah, I'm 16, but I think I can do this and I'll be fine. And I'm sure I'll struggle along the way, but I'm good. I'm okay.
0: What was some of the best advice that you've received so far on your last journey?
1: So I have two, one of them is a quote. And then the other one is I recently received from an artist. So the first one is, um, the quote is just be ambitious and not greedy. And that really speaks to me because I feel like it's so easy to be money hungry and money driven. But within that quote, it's just do what you want to do, be ambitious, but don't try and take on everything, you know? So I love that um, piece of advice that I was given or the quote. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the recent piece of advice I was given was from the owner of Sheikson City in Las Vegas. Jasmine. Jasmine? Yes, she's She's amazing she told me that whatever i decide to do within the industry i should do it with my whole heart and focus on one thing at a time and master that and i can be a spaz at sometimes and a complete scatterbrain and a dreamer and try and take on everything um so that piece of, of advice really spoke to me because um it's just so easy to get so overwhelmed and caught up in everything and our industry is so new. Mm-hmm. So again, it's just easy to try and take on everything at once and it just doesn't work that way.
0: Right. What was your favorite failure so far? Something that seemed like it was just absolutely devastating that you end up appreciating later.
1: Yes. Okay. So, um, this isn't a failure, but it was a huge setback that was devastating to me. It was a turning point within my lashing career and Um, that was when my parents had kicked me out of our guest house. Um, (laughs) my parents and I kind of had a falling out and the guest house is where I was lashing. Mm -hmm. And this happened so abruptly. Like I'm pretty sure she gave me like two to three week notice and that's not enough time to like find a place. So I was really panicked at this point. It made me really question whether or not lashing was my thing. Mm -hmm. Um, so I had no idea if I was going to continue or stop. I was also attending college at the time. and just had a lot of things going on. But my parents doing this was a huge blessing, guys, because it really made me go like balls to the wall. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm going to commit to this and really be passionate about it and really do what I can with it or I'm done. Right. So obviously I chose to stay. This happened. I can't believe this. This happened two years ago. I chose to say I found my own commercial space and have been going and grinding ever since. And it was scary and I was overwhelmed. But I'm here now and I'm happy that that happened because it really made me, you know, make the decision to commit. At this point, do you have anyone working
0: with you or are you still a one man show? No, I'm still,
1: unfortunately, a one man show. (laughs) It's not a bad thing. No, it's not. But uh, w- um, someone to help would definitely be awesome. <laughs> yes.
0: What do you feel like draws people to your work or or to you specifically?
1: That's a great question. I would say initially, um, while I was growing my following, what really sparked a ton of people to be driven to my page was when I posted a picture about myself mm-hmm. and just said like how. Um, Scared I was to ever tell anyone my age and how I was no longer going to do that. And it didn't matter because my work comes first over my age or experience. So that's what I think drove people to my page initially. And that's when I started to grow followers. Mm-hmm. And then after that, I would say it's just like my, my work, my kind of clean aesthetic page. I'm all about the dark, dark, dark lash line. Um, which I feel like a lot of people love and appreciate. I
0: agree. And I feel like now your Instagram stories, you're always on there giving like just some piece of advice. And I feel like, I don't know, I'm starting to really see like your personality shine through. And well, I, I think that that helps you too. So what are some struggles that you go through being a lash artist that you do kind of have to juggle everything on your own?
1: I would say the biggest struggle is just that doing everything on your own is so, so, so overwhelming. And it's something I still haven't mastered. Mm -hmm. So the best advice I would give for someone that is a one-man show is to just breathe and know that you can't do it all, but do your best until you can get help. So like, for example, I have probably lost plenty of clients throughout the day because I can't answer the phone and pick up that call. Right. Right that's okay. For me, I, you know, I take it day by day. If that happens, I have learned to make myself a text only type of studio or salon or whatever you want want to call it. Mm -hmm. Helps me. Um, Another thing that has recently helped me is there is an app where you can schedule your Instagram posts, because again, it's overwhelming to do everything yourself. And Instagram is one of those things where you have to be on it a lot throughout the day. And if your hands are lashing, that's impossible. Right. And there's so many like different tools and things you can do to make it easier on yourself when you're by yourself. But that is my best advice for someone who is doing their own thing is just to breathe, take your time. know you can't do it all and be okay with that.
0: What is the best investment you think you've made so far as a lash artist?
1: The best investment I made Was this past weekend, actually, I was in Las Vegas celebrating my 20th and I visited Sheikson City. I went there and spent like $75 for like a quick mini fill. Um, And I have looked up to Jasmine, the owner, Mm -hmm. for quite some time now. Since she started, it was just so inspiring to see her just really go all in and all of the struggle seeing that on social media and seeing how far she's come and seeing how quickly she's succeeded. So after my appointment, she brought me to the back and I thought we were just going to chat, but she just kind of like poured her heart out and was just trying to really help me and motivate me and look out for me. And to me, that really positively influenced my life. Um, Jasmine is such a like genuinely kind, passionate, helpful woman. And that really shows. So, um, all she said to me was that whatever I want to do, become a master at it, focus on it, do one thing at a time, and be different. And that's exactly what I needed to hear at the time. So for me, the $75 that I spent this past <laughs> event was like the best money I could have ever spent because that's exactly what I needed to hear.
0: Wow. That sounds really special because... I noticed like she's just a really good, um, she has a really good team there. Mm -hmm. I love their aesthetic and everything. So, and I've gotten to meet her like one time. I have to have her on the show or something. Yes, please Um, do. Yes. (laughs) What do you think that other artists should invest in?
1: Hmm, I'd say they should really invest in themselves Mm -hmm. or their career. Those are just things that can't fail you. In what, um, in what ways? Like education? Um, yeah. So invest in yourself. Um, it's easy to let go of yourself when you're running a business. So invest in yourself, whether that's a spa day or... Yes. Going, getting like a quick little bowl of like ice cream, like little things that keep you going, make you happy, because at the end of, of the day, it's just you. Mm-hmm. And... If you're upset or not happy with something, it's usually on you. You need to fix that. So investing in yourself is really important. Um, Investing in your career, that can be seriously anything, like a good pair of tweezers, education, workshops, you name it. Those are two things I think everyone should be investing in. No questions asked.
0: Right. What product or products can you not lash without? Aside from the, like, obvious okay. and Okay, so stuff. obvious,
1: like, products? Uh, yeah. I cannot lash without, if, I'm not sure if this is considered a product, but I can't lash without music. It keeps me going at a steady pace, so if it's completely quiet in the room, I could easily take, like, eight hours for the full set. But if I'm listening to some music to, like, keep me going, I'm, like, at a steady pace, getting clients in and out kind of thing. So it's something I can't live without throughout the day.
0: Yeah. Um, what is your
1: favorite memory so far in your last career? My favorite memory has to be with um, my students, actually. Uh, my students make like, my world gro- go round, and I don't think they realize that. As an educator, all I want is for them to like, truly master this craft and be successful. And when my students tell me at any point that I helped them with anything, like application, times, starting their own business and doing their own thing, or just giving them more confidence that they didn't have. Those little things are so priceless to me. And that has to be a part of my favorite memories. So do you teach mostly privates or do you teach group classes? I currently only teach private courses. Mm-hmm. I truly believe in, you know, one-on-one time, especially with what we do. It's a complete art and it can be so hard if you're in a class full of 10, 15 other people. Yeah. Yeah hard to not get caught up in your head.
0: Right. So
1: I like to keep it at one-on-one. I am working on group trainings um, for the summer here, and that will only max at five because, again, I – really believe in that one-on-one time I can spend with my students.
0: Especially for beginners, like beginner classic or beginner volume, it's really important for it to be more intimate because it's really easy to just get completely lost and and frustrated. But yeah, I feel like the group classes are are better for people that are like just more advanced and and stuff. But yeah, definitely beginners need that one-on-one time.
1: Right, exactly.
0: I feel like you could probably go... On this question for a long okay. time, but so this question: um, What concept within the lash industry do you feel like is controversial that you can speak on?
1: Hmm. There are so many things that are <laughs> controversial. Ah, mm-hmm. uh, okay. So mega volume is obviously controversial. Mm-hmm. I would say teaching is becoming controversial because it used to be a set thing where companies just teach you how to do something. And now it's artists without a company behind them teaching you how to do lashes. Mm -hmm. I feel like it's controversial because it's like, okay, well, anyone can teach now. Well, certain people should and certain people shouldn't. Mm -hmm. Um, The one that I will speak on is crystallizing simply because I went to Lash Artists International a few weekends ago and they spoke on this and crystallizing. Do you know what that is? Yeah. So, it's controversial because I feel like people think it's like going to kill you. It's going to get in your bloodstream. It's just going to become cyanolacrylate. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but if you're looking for my opinion, I feel like when it comes to any controversial topic, I think people should just educate themselves before forming an opinion. Right. Um, far too often I see the women of our industry like disagreeing or bashing one another on concepts or tar- topics and they don't need to be argued over. Facts are very black and white and
0: Opinions aren't. I agree. What is a question that you get a lot in some of your classes?
1: In most of my classes, it's how can I get faster? And how can I make my work look like yours? That's the popular questions I get amongst my students. And the best way I answer that is just consistent practice to create that muscle memory. Dedication. You can't really do something part-time and do lashes part-time and expect to become a master at it. You really have to commit yourself. So when I get those questions, that's all I got to say. And I let them, because it's really on them, I let them go with that.
0: Okay. So are you
1: lashing like seven hours a day, eight hours a day? It depends on the day, really. I kind of go through like these spurts where like, okay, I'm going to work seven days a week, 12 hours a day, and that's what I want to do. And there's some weeks where like, "Mm, I don't want to work that much and I guess that's the beauty of own business so for right now I'm trying to commit to a more consistent schedule and I lash four days out of the week mm-hmm. I try and see a student two days out of the week and at least give myself one day out of that week off
0: do most of your clients pre book with you or do they do it online
1: They do it online, but they can pre-book with me at the studio. I prefer that. That way I know my schedule and I don't have any unhappy clients. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I feel
0: like there are so many pros and cons to either just because with pre-booking, then you you have to anticipate that two weeks from now, you're going to be able to do that many clients that day. And you don't know like what's going on in your personal life at that time. And it's like, right. you can't just reschedule people <laughs> just because you need a personal day. But
1: yeah, that's tough. something I've done recently. And I believe Square, whatever's partnered with Square, that booking system mm-hmm. now allowed you to only have your clients book out at a certain point because and I have started to do that recently because I had clients seriously booking like We were in November and they were booking into August.
0: Oh my gosh.
1: Yeah. That's too much. So it is tough, but there are ways to beat that.
0: (laughs) Right. Yeah. We're actually, we're with MindBody right now and I think we're switching to Square um, next month
1: actually. So is that what you use? I use StyleSeat for now Mm -hmm. because all my clients are on, but I would love to switch over to Square because of all those perks. I got
0: an email that they're actually doing the appointments part of Square um, is free now. So all you pay for is credit card processing. I'm not like affiliated with them or anything, but yeah, I saw right. that. so
1: Oh wow. yeah. I'm into that. Thank you. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Just when are you most productive?
1: I am most productive at night. For some reason. I'm like kind of mopey in the morning and in the afternoon, but at night, like I'd say like ten to three in the morning, for some odd reason, I can get the most done. Oh
0: my gosh.
1: (laughs) So when do you wake up? I like to wake up at eight forty-five, nine morning. I'm young, so I can run on no sleep. Thankfully. So it's something that still works. What is the
0: first few things that you do in the morning? Do you do any, like, meditation or yoga or drink
1: tea or anything like that? I don't. I wish I was a ritual person, mm-hmm. but I hate, like, having, a like, a set schedule. It gets really boring mm-hmm. to me. So I wake up, and whatever I have to do, I do. And if there's not anything, I kind of don't do anything. It sounds so boring. Because I know people have, like, rituals where they're, like, they'll do... Some compliments to themselves, say what they're grateful for. (laughs) Yeah. That's just not me. Mm -hmm. Do
0: you listen to any podcasts or read books?
1: I don't like to read. Mm -hmm. Um, I'd say a lot of, I feel like you see like a lot of successful business people who like read a book a day. Um, I like to listen to podcasts though. Mm Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure if I can like say the title of the book, but the book is called Unfuck Yourself. Mm -hmm. I've I've heard of that. Um, I love that book because it goes through like certain things in your life that may have been setting you back. Mm -hmm. And it isn't a podcast where I feel like you can listen to like the whole thing in like a week or a day or whatever. It's something where I'll listen to a chapter and he almost gives you like certain things you need to work on. And then I'll work on that for that one week with that one chapter. And then the next week, once I've worked on that and I feel like I've mastered that, I go on to the next one. So I really love that podcast.
0: Hmm. I'm going to have to listen to that like right after this. (laughs) That's cool. Do you have any hobbies right now outside
1: of lashing? Outside of lashing, my favorite thing to do is go and see really nice homes in the Valley. Um, I live in Scottsdale and amount of wealth here is kind of nuts. So I like to just drive around up the mountains and look at these houses and kind of like use them as like motivation or just to see them because they're so beautiful. Mm -hmm. It's a lame hobby, but that's something I like to do often is just drive in the sunset and look at nice homes. I swear on my
0: life that I used to do that a couple of years ago. No way. Yeah, I really would and I would honestly do it like as a date too. Like I would I would be um, with someone and we would just go look at mansions and
1: it it sounded really weird, but it's cool to know someone else does that too. Yes, 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 and that is I took my boyfriend. We've been together for almost 3 years now. That mm-hmm. was one of our first dates. So it's funny you did that yes, as well. Yes.
0: That is so crazy.
1: <laughs> What
0: strengths that you have naturally do you feel contribute to where you're at today?
1: So the strengths that I have, I have I think I've acquired over time, like throughout my life. And my two biggest strengths have to be my perseverance and my resiliency. Throughout my life, I've been put in just like certain situations where I had to like get through it there's no questions asked and I've been also put into certain situations where you know I had to be resilient and adapt and a perfect example of this is growing up I attended 11 schools I went to different schools and moved all over the place so that really forced me to like persevere through it and to just be able to adapt to whatever situation I was in and those are two things that I feel like are very, very important through like any part of your life. Right. And those, those have really helped me, especially in, you know, running your own business. It could be hard and you want to quit. You got to persevere and you're put in uncomfortable situations sometimes, but got to be resilient, you know?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: For sure. Something I was this week actually going through with
0: uh, my team, we had something happen and, you know, at the end of it, like, we're all talking about how growth is uncomfortable. Like you have to go through sometimes situations and you come out better and
1: just can't give up. What weaknesses do you work on? I really try and work on my self-doubt and not valuing myself enough. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that's very common. For a lot of people, I just like doubt that I can do it. Like, is it really possible? And I feel like when it comes to, I mean, everyone goes through this, what you should charge your clients. If it were up to me, I wish I could give every everyone like the best set of lashes for free. Mm-hmm. So those are two things I really struggle with. And I work, I have to like fight against them every day. And it's a mind game for me. But um, I, I'd i say the what I do to personally work on my self-doubt and not valuing myself as much as I should is back to what I said earlier and that's just investing in yourself I feel like it's kind of like a form of like meditation if you're like in tune with yourself mm-hmm. that the whole like self-doubt and not valuing yourself kind of disappears when you just learn to get to know yourself and appreciate yourself and as cheesy as it sounds kind of like love yourself mm-hmm. and every day like just do something that makes you
0: happy right right. Yeah. Cool. So let's talk about, I guess, irritants versus an allergic reaction versus like seasonal allergies.
1: Yes, let's. So to start, I'm just going to go through like what I have found is going on during the spring lash shed as well as like the fall lash shed. So lashes are there to protect our eyes from the sun. So Mm -hmm. when it comes to spring into summer, we go through an even bigger shed. And we are even more sensitive during this time because um, our eyes need more protection from the sun. So we're getting more lashes and losing more lashes during this time. Um, So our body's just very sensitive. So something I've realized when our bodies are more sensitive, we're also more sensitive to lashes. So um, a way to make sure that this doesn't happen is um, to recognize the difference between an allergy and an irritation. So um, an allergy is prolonged exposure to a certain ingredient. And in our case, it would be santa mm-hmm. Um It's when, like, our body begins to recognize this foreign ingredient. And then it almost, like, feels under attack. So it begins to fight this foreign ingredient. And the fighting and the reactions go hand in hand. So when our body's fighting, that's when the redness happens, the swelling, the itching all that really bad stuff that we don't want our clients to go through. Right. Um, and usually it doesn't happen, like, immediately. So, I mean, in rare cases it can, but most clients develop a reaction. So all that's why yeah. if we understand the difference. Mm-hmm. Um, so my rule of thumb during this time, because it can be hard during allergy season to know if it's an irritation or an allergy, because... I mean, it's allergy season, so you just assume it'd be an allergy. So during this time, we need to be more careful. What I do, what I implement with my clients that I have found to work always through every single um, allergy season is to create a buildup of um, antihistamines in your system. So what I do is I have my clients either take like a Zyrtec or a Benadryl, some type of antihistamine the day before the day of and the day after. So the day before, so it's starting to build up in their system day of, especially because we're about to apply that foreign ingredient. And then the day after to make sure that any possibility of your body fighting is lessened. So go ahead.
0: I was going to ask, did you kind of figure that out on your own or did you learn that somewhere?
1: I figured it out on my own actually. I mean if I'm just gonna go off on a quick tangent, I'm super sensitive. I recently got um, eczema and like just a bunch of like skin sensitivities. Mm-hmm. So something that I realized helped me if I was gonna go somewhere and do something where my skin could be sensitive, like especially outside, I would have to have a buildup of that antihistamine in order to not have a reaction.
0: Yeah. So I think that a lot of times I have a student or even a client that is confused on whether they are allergic or not. So I think even the symptoms kind of um, are a telltale sign of whether you're just maybe the lashes were applied incorrectly and maybe they're too close to the skin or maybe the gel pad was applied incorrectly and it was rubbing against the eye and made the eye red. But I think um, the thing to look for with an allergic reaction to eyelash extension adhesive is the fact that the lid will swell or even um, a reaction to an iPad is like where the iPad was placed Um, because I've had so many people confused on whether they're allergic or not or what they're allergic to. And um, like one lady thought she was allergic to the adhesive, but she was just swollen on her like where the iPad was placed. So come to find out, she's obviously not um, allergic to the adhesive. She was allergic to the iPads that were used at her previous place. And I feel like a lot of lash artists themselves are confused on what it is. Um, If they see a lot of redness or something, they're just quick to say like, oh, maybe you're developing an allergic reaction to that. So I think that's important, too, is just knowing what symptoms mean.
1: Right. Right. I agree with that. It is very confusing. And I would definitely agree that the telltale sign is swelling compared to anything else. And something else that I found is that with an allergy, it gets worse. So it isn't just one day and then it goes away. Usually with an allergy, it lasts much longer than um, 24 hours.
0: And also, I had somebody one time tell me that she thinks that she's allergic now because she was swollen And I asked her when um, did the swelling show and it was, you know, right before her two week appointment for a fill and um, come to find out that she had been crying a lot and her eyes were puffy. So she was like, oh, you know, I have eyelash extensions. That means I'm allergic to the eyelashes. And it's like, no, it happens like, you know, it'll show up between 24 and 48 hours after an application. But eventually it's going to go away on its own. And if it's like a week or two after your application, it isn't that, you know? Right. Yeah. Right. So, yeah, there's so much um, confusion with that whole topic. But I figured, um, you That's know, right tough. now in the middle of um, allergy season and everything in the spring shed, like I feel like there's so much confusion going on right now.
1: I agree. I agree. And it's tough because when someone's allergic and you didn't recognize it before it worsened, uh, that's it. I mean, they're done.
0: Right. Hold on. Remind me, because now you have like 13,000 followers. Uh,
1: yes. Yeah. So okay. I, I don't know what happened, but I went from 7,000 of like raw followers. Someone bought me followers. And I swear, like I didn't, I wouldn't do that because um, Instagram recognizes fake followers now. So it yeah. shows more to less people when they're fake. So I went from 7,000 to 25,000 and since then that was back in like October mm-hmm. I have been blocking them ever since so I went from 25 now to 13,000 so I'm slowly getting back to where I was.
0: Oh my goodness. But I remember that post where you were like this was I did not do this I am not even happy about it like what would you say Uh, is something that helps you out? What, what type of tips do you have as far as like the algorithm that's always changing and all that?
1: Yeah. So that's also really hard because the algorithm changes. I mean, I've heard some people say it changes daily. Some people say it changes weekly, but it's always hard to stay ahead. But I found a few key things that really helped me um, gain followers and retain followers that are um, more active and engage in my posts. And the first trick is um, just making sure that your post is being boosted during the first hour it's up. Um, so that's making sure my minimum is at least 10 comments from other people. Um, and the way that I do it is I just tag other people in my posts so that way they see it. Mm-hmm. I feel like the new like rule of thumb now is if someone tags you in a post, they're wanting you to comment and you know show your love. So 10 comments within the first hour. First hour is very important. Making sure that you're getting you know X amount of likes. I think that really depends on how many followers you have. And then really just making sure whenever you post a picture that you're posting stories about the picture or just posting stories throughout the day because with the algorithm, because it's not based on chronological order anymore, you have to make sure that people are seeing it. So the more people that see it, the more recognized you are and you can gain followers throughout that time. So that's one way that um, you can manipulate the algorithm right now to work in your favor with your followers.
0: And I feel like your page even is just super aesthetically pleasing and you're not even posting all the time or anything. It's just when you post it makes an impact. And I think that's important too, that when people do find your page, they find your page pleasing to the eye. And going back to like the fake follower thing, I feel like that actually ends up hurting somebody because eventually like they're going to, obviously people are going to catch on and see like, okay, well, you're only getting like this many likes, but you have like 30,000 followers. Um, and I can definitely tell when somebody has fake followers. But for me, it's not always like lash artists. It's more like bloggers or Hi. or someone and there. I think that they're just trying to obviously gain more by making it look like other people follow them. But their Hi. followers are always jumping because I think Instagram has got a really good hold on that now. And they're kind of getting rid of those fake accounts and everything. And so their followers are like always jumping like, Thousands and it just is really bad for your brand, and it's just not a good look.
1: It is. It's not a good look, and I would rather have a hundred followers and have a hundred people liking my pictures and a hundred comments on my pictures all the time than a hundred thousand followers and only receiving a hundred
0: likes. Exactly. And yeah. Totally. All right, so this concludes Lana's interview. If you're interested in hearing more from her, her Instagram page is Lux Uncut. If you're not already following the Lash Boss radio page, that is actually where I announce the upcoming guests for the show. So if you're interested in that, go check that out. And I will see you guys back here in about a week with the next guest.